Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. This episode of The Warriors Huddle is brought to you by The Athletic Club Oakland, a sports bar we just love. If you listen to this podcast, you enjoy watching sports, and you already know that watching games with other fans just makes the experience better. Look, obviously, watching a Warriors game on your own is fine. I've done it for years. But watching the game in a place that lets me scream and cheer and just generally lose my shit with other dub fans is so much more fun. COVID stole that opportunity for a while, but the ACO has given it back. The Athletic Club Oakland has shut down their entire side street, created an enormous outdoor space called the Town Gardens, and filled that space with tables, more than 15 huge TVs, and their full complement of great food and drinks. It's big, it's comfortable, it's a great spot to watch Steph continue to rain threes during this incredible Warrior season, the NFL playoffs, or any other sport with fans while still staying safe. I love this bar. I love their food, I love their space, I love their TVs. I even love that it's family friendly. I can go there with friends and get way too passionate, or I can go with just my wife and kid and enjoy brunch while catching a game. The Athletic Club is now my go-to spot to watch all sports, especially the Warriors, and I hope you'll join us there. The Athletic Club Oakland, where sports fans can be sports fans again. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You are in. Always huddle with me, Bram. No Marcus today, but with me per usual, my master of all things sound, Maxine. How's it going? I am fired up to announce after too long of a break, rejoining us, the Golden State beat writer for the San Francisco Chronicle, a man who attends every practice, shoot around press conference and game, and a guy who will absolutely yawn right in the middle of a podcast and just throw the host completely off his game, Mr. Connor Letourneau. I still feel bad about that. I still feel bad about that because that's like one of my biggest pet peeves. I had a friend visit a couple months ago. In the entire visit, he wouldn't stop yawning. And I'm like, why'd you even come? Like, if you're just going to yawn the whole time. Okay. That's, I mean, like, if we're going up the ladder on, like, awkward social interactions, you know, if I'm just talking to you in a regular setting, like, if you're describing, and I feel like I'm losing your attention, that already kills me inside. Like, a little bit. Yeah. It, like, reduces my life expectancy. If I'm having that conversation in front of somebody else, just one or two other people, now my anxiety is, that was during a fucking podcast, dude. Like, I, I think we are being taped. There's thousands of people listening, and I just lost you entirely. So I want to tell you I got over it, but it's been like three weeks, and I'm, I'm sweating right You're now. clearly not over it. I, I hope we're still friends. Um, but, you know, this is going to be our last pod together as, like, me as the quote-unquote beat writer. I've been, the like, sharing the beat and the fill-in beat writer the past couple months. But uh, as we announced yesterday, uh, CJ Holmes from The Athletic is taking over the Warriors beat starting next week. So you guys should definitely have him on. Maybe we can all come on together. Gotten to know him a little bit. Great guy. I think you guys are going to really enjoy him. I cannot wait to get to know CJ. Hopefully we can get some embarrassing details from his life too. Um, And I, I mean, you know, Connor and I are friends. We have been for a long time. And so I know that you're happy to get some of this grind out of your life. Being a beat writer is not an easy job, a lot of travel, a lot of responsibility. 
And so I'm sure that you're happy to be passing the torch, but you and I are also similar enough. We're like, if I reach the end of anything, even something I like, the transition bothers me. I start getting sad. Like I, I could be in a class I hated the entire semester. And then the last week I start getting strangely nostalgic, you know, like I'll miss that dude in the front with his backpack, like things that mean nothing suddenly mean a lot. So you're what, four days out. Are you getting weird about it, dude? Like, do you, do you think you're going to miss this? Is, it's been is, weird because I kind of thought I was off the beat. You know, I, I got off the beat before the start of the season came back on. So it's been like a lot of emotions over the past six months. Um, but, uh, I definitely feel I'm definitely, I've actually enjoyed coming back on the beat because it's just been kind of, uh, you know, a last hurrah, like every, since I know it's ending, I'm really appreciating every day and like the little things like the travel and, and, uh, you know, the, the sit downs with players and all these things, I'm still going to be writing about the Warriors. Like I'm still going to be doing bigger takeouts. I'll probably have at least one thing a week on the Warriors in my new role, but it's just not going to be the same. And. As you guys know, this has just been such a massive part. It's been my whole life, basically, the past six yeah. years. And so it's it feels like, yeah, graduation day. So you're, like, excited to move on to the next thing. But at the same time, you're nostalgic and looking back on your time. And this will go down as one of the most important chapters of my life. I see Connor handling this really healthily. Like, yeah, sad, but also there's big things coming. You know, I'm just moving on. Maxime, would you be as neurotic as I? Like, I literally would be hell of sad for the next four days. And then, like, it would be done, and I'd be fine, and I'd move on. But, like, each little detail, I would savor too much. You know, like, my last trip in the airport. Like, oh, I'm, I'm getting my last coffee here. And I'd be hella sad about that. How, how would you experience this? I don't know, because I, I feel like it, it's essentially a promotion, right? It's not like you're moving on from basketball writing to like just selling cotton candy, right? Like this is this is a situation where I feel like if you recognize there was a really fantastic story about the Warriors, you could still go travel and like catch a couple games or whatever. So I don't know. I feel like I just get to shed all of the crap and keep all of the good. We should to say- Maxime's point, I do feel like I'm I'm this role is allowing me to focus on the parts of the job I love the most, which is the long form storytelling. Uh, the bigger takeouts, and I'm still going to be able to do those on the Warriors and all topics, various sports topics in this role. And I'm, I'm still going to be at the playoffs. I'm going to be traveling with CJ in the playoffs, and I'm still going to be there for the big moments. So I almost feel like I'm cherry picking the best aspects and then leaving, you know, a lot of the grind and some of the less fun aspects on the table. Well, and you're also moving on to a very successful career as a cotton candy salesman. So, I mean, no, that's right there, man. Something to look forward to. Gentlemen, let's jump in. Let's talk a little bit of Warriors. I'm going to skip, not skip. I'm going to change the order a little bit. I know we got an off the court report. I'm excited to hear before we do that. Quick glass half full, right? So here, look back at recent basketball Warrior specific and give me something that you liked and didn't like. I'll go first and it would be disingenuous. I'm always optimistic, uh, far too much. So I'm a little bit crazy on this show. It'd be disingenuous to start with something that I like. You know, the Warriors have lost four or five. So we got to go the other direction here. Something I don't. It's not a uh, in particularly deep cut, but it's got to be said how much the Warriors miss Draymond Green. Uh, So. The large, you know, 10,000 view or 10,000 feet view, there's no question they've lost four or five. They look out of sorts. If you look into the details, it's also super obvious. The Warriors are clinging on to that top defensive rating that they had in spades just a couple of weeks ago. And offensively, we just seem out of sorts. Um, 
you know, there, there are moments that the Warriors look like the Warriors, but for most of the game, I'm having trouble recognizing this team. I know Draymond's coming back, but shit, if there's something I don't like, it's how much we miss our depoy. What do you guys got? You know, it was, it was interesting because there was a, a period there, like they had that nine-game winning streak, and it felt like, yeah, obviously they missed Draymond, but I was, it was, I was so impressed by how good they still looked, and their defense was still at a really high level. I think a lot of it right now is just fatigue. I think um, when you combine the lack of big bodies, the lack of bodies in general, with the, with the grind of the season and the all-star break being here, um, it makes sense that they're they're just tired and they just they've looked worn down the past few games. I don't think it's anything to worry about too much. I think when you look at the larger sample size of the time without Draymond, it's been a success. I mean, their overall record has been pretty good without him. Um, I think a lot of guys have stepped up. I mean, who knows if if we would have seen the emergence of Kaminga with with the uh, with Draymond healthy um, because Kaminga's the Warriors look at him as more of a four, even as a five a little bit. And uh, I think when we look back on this time a year or two from now, that's probably going to be the biggest takeaway is that's when Jonathan Kaminga started to become Jonathan Kaminga. And I don't think he's going back to the guy he was. I think he's just full steam ahead on his way to greatness in, in, faster than anyone even thought. And I think that's the most positive thing. Perfect transition, all right, because you've given me something I like and something I don't. So let me go to something I like. I used to say this all the time, and then I've stopped gushing about Lakeb recently. But I used to say that under Lakeb, bad things happen for good reasons. The, the best example I can give you is Steph's ankle injuries. You know, there was a period of time when we thought that Steph's career was in serious jeopardy. And because of that, the Warriors got lucky. They got him on a less than superstar contract. And that led to a lot of the decisions that, you know, created our dynasty. That's how Andre ultimately came in. So this really bad thing, Steph's ankles, ultimately led to this really great thing, dynasty. There's a possibility what Connor just said plays out. That this season, when we look back at all of these possible setbacks, like Steph's slump or Draymond's current injury, that it's what we needed at the time. Steph's slump happens, we start leaning more on Clay, and it accelerates his return to the court, his return to normalcy. Draymond gets hurt. We, we go through the frustration. I was just telling you, but it also puts Kuminga in a big role, makes him you know guard people like LeBron and gets him the kind of experience maybe we needed to make him an X factor. So, you know, there's a world where if we squint, these hard times we've had recently will actually help us. Now, let me give you something I don't because it has to do with Kaminga. Stupid example. Stick with me. I, my, my kid's six now, so she has homework. So I've got to help her with it. Sucks. I hate the entire process. It's mostly easy shit, right? And we're talking like first grade. But when I'm watching her, the experience flips about halfway through. 90% she seems to be trying I'm so proud of her. Everything's going well. And then 10%, she just doesn't care anymore. She's not paying attention at all. And she starts fucking up on things I know she can do well. That is kind of like watching Kaminga right now for me. 90% of the time, I am so enamored. I love watching where he's going. His skill set is unbelievable. And I trust him. 10% of the time, it looks like he just doesn't care anymore. His effort occasionally on the boards is so frustrating and if we could just get him to lock in for a hundred percent i think the sky is the limit for this guy's potential he's already improved so much in that department though i mean that was that was a huge knock on him entering the draft was his 
unwavering effort. Um, you know, he would just completely disappear at times in the G League last season. And, you know, you know what's funny is I actually think he's been more impressive at times with the Warriors than he has been with Santa Cruz. Um, you know, I actually went down and saw him in a Santa Cruz game, and he just didn't care. Like, he was literally just walking up the floor. Like, he, he did not care. And I, I think that he just gets bored by inferior competition. He needs that the higher stakes, the higher level to kind of bring out the best of him, which is understandable for a freak athlete, someone who has had things come easily to him physically for a long time. And so, um, but he's the turning point for him was uh, about a month ago when they had that G League game in, outside Memphis against the Memphis Hustle. And he had a horrible game. And Steve was there because they were going to play the Grizzlies the next night. And he pulled him aside after the game was like, that's not acceptable. Like this, you're, you should be dominating these guys. You're not even trying like this. And he, he actually showed him film and said, that is what a lack of effort looks like. This is what effort looks like. Like sometimes you have to teach it in those set types of terms. Sure. And it was kind of a light bulb moment for Kaminga. And he, I, I feel like his energy and effort has been so much better since then. Yes, you're right. There are moments where he, he seems to take the foot off the gas, but um, I look at it from a big picture lens and I, I, I really like the progress and I think he'll continue to make strides. Next time, can we start with the phrase, yes, you're right, and then go into the explanation about why I may have been off? Because I, I felt that whole time like, oh, he's proving me wrong. And then we ended and I feel good now, um, but it took a long time to get all that right, emotional support. Right. Okay, I mean, you know how needy I am, Connor. Maxime, what do you got? I mean, I feel like if we're going to continue to extend this understanding of Jonathan Kaminga as a person that does not excel when the limelight is not on him, like the maybe the biggest good news of the past week, if not the past month, is that he's been uh, promoted into the Rising Stars All-Star game. I mean, like, I, you know, it doesn't matter if it's as an injury replacement or not. Ultimately, at the end of the day, this is a really big showcase for him. It's an opportunity to for a guy who thinks that he should have been the number one pick, regardless of whether or not that's actually true. It's true in his mind to go up against those guys and say, hey, look, I, you know, like I matter here. Um, and I could really see that skyrocketing his, uh, you know, the second half of the season. So I'm really, really looking forward to seeing him in that game and then him um, going into the playoffs. And he's just the perfect guy for that game. Uh, I'll be at that game tonight. I'm very excited about it. Uh, you know, wrote a piece yesterday, kind of previewing it, and I got into we, – we've talked a lot about the on-court strategies made. I talked to people in the organization about how he's changed off the court. Um, he, he had a reputation as a loner entering the draft and that's because he's a very, you know, he's lived a very solitary existence and he's kind of, you know, moving from Africa at 13 and being by himself. And he just has had a hard time trusting people. And the piece got into, uh, the fact that he's starting to trust people within the organization more and more, and he's opening up and he's, he's showing his personality. And that has had almost a direct correlation to his on-court performance um like when he started to open up off the court is when he started to come into his own on, on the court and so um i think that rising stars will just be like another notch in that trajectory you know when you were just describing to us how stakes matters to him right that he shows up to that g league game he doesn't feel like the competition is worth his attention and so he kind of tunes out is it possible that now getting this kind of national attention, people getting to watch him and maybe the stakes raising on his rookie season could be kind of motivational? I mean, is, is this going to be another fast forward on his development? I think so. I think, I think he's a guy who, uh, even though he 
can be quiet at times. He he kind of is at his best in the limelight. Like he's he 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 loves high-end fashion and he loves like American culture and all these things. And I think he's very much enjoying everything that goes around like all-star festivities, you know. And you know, he's 19 years old and like he's living his dream. He got to he got to guard LeBron James the other night, you know. Like this is uh literally a dream come true for him and um I think that even though it's people kind of dismiss rising stars, but this is the equivalent of his all-star game. You know, this is a huge deal for someone like that. I'd love it. Um, I mean, it was one of the things I bitched about a few weeks ago that he was ignored. Um, I guess not ignored, but that they went with the whole G league ignite for, but to see him finally here, it gives me interest. I mean, I'm, I actually want to watch the game. All right, boys, let's move to our golden questions. And the reason I'm anxious to do it is our first comes from Connor in Alameda quote. And this is a text, obviously, from our current guest. I think we should talk about some difficult roster decisions Myers has coming down the pipeline. Bottom line, Dubs can only keep two of these three, Wiggins, Poole, and Wiseman. I have a story on it coming soon. Connor, explain this for me, man. What what do we have coming down and what's, what's the yeah. issue you should explore? So I was kind of – planning ahead this this past week my all-star break coverage and i realized that um there's a reason why a lot of people in my twitter mentions have been saying that wiggins could be the odd man out long term you know and i was like kind of skeptical at first without taking a deep look at it because you know everyone within the organization has said you know he's he's our guy we're gonna ride with him long term but when you actually look at the salary cap breakdown and 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 uh, the payroll situation they're going to be in a pretty much impossible situation in the next couple of years. And it's basically going to force Joe Lacob's hand uh, to make that, that decision that I just alluded to over that text, which is basically, um, you know, Joe Lacob and Bob Myers have come out and said many times, they don't want the payroll to exceed $200 million. That the base payroll to exceed more than $200 million. They've said for, if you exceed more than $200 million and you're not winning a championship, that's absolutely unacceptable, especially when you factor in all the luxury tax implications. That's basically a $400 million payroll, which is around what the Warriors are looking at this season, um, which is a record-setting payroll, okay? So it's already enormously high, but in the next couple of years, it's going to get just completely on. Un- unbelievable, like uh, ridiculous. And this is really in this, when I talk about this, the Warriors are basically a victim of their own success because all of these guys are going to, or young guys who are playing really well and coming to their own are going to warrant big contracts. And because the Warriors have their rights and bird rights and all these things, they can resign them for as high as they want, but it's going to have massive luxury tax implications. Okay. So the, the, in the immediate term, as we know, Kavon Looney is going to be a free agent this summer, okay? The Warriors need to bring him back. We all know that. He's incredibly important. He's the perfect center for this system. He's been a complete rock for them this season. I think one of the most important players to their team this season. Yeah. Um, he is going to probably warrant a little bit more than the $5.2 million contract annually that he has right now. Um, talking to salary cap experts, they don't expect it to be that much higher just because he's not a flashy player. Um, other teams don't cover him the way the Warriors do. So let's say he's making, you know, he signs like a multi-year deal for around $6 million a year, which is probably what it's going to take. 
to bring him back. And then the Warriors have to seriously look at signing Jordan Poole this summer to a contract extension because Jordan Poole is going to become a free agent the following summer. And you don't necessarily want him to enter free agency. You don't want to have to deal with the bidding war of restricted free agency. So the Warriors would be smart to try to lock him up this summer to a, a multi-year deal. And the, the numbers that are be, being bandied about for Jordan Poole, given how well he's played and given how young he is, is four years, $80 million. Okay. So you're looking at four years, $80 million, $20 million a year for guys 22 who could, I think he had, he could be like a CJ McCollum type player. He's a total franchise cornerstone in a lot of respects. Maybe not, you know, like the future Steph Curry, but he's a very important player to the Warriors future. And um, so we, so the Warriors are going to try to do that. We already know that. They're going to try to bring back Looney. They're going to try to sign Jordan Poole to an extension. The following summer is when it gets really interesting, okay, because that's the summer of 2023. At that point, you have uh, Curry on the books at $52 million. You have Clay Thompson uh, on the books for $43 million. You have Draymond on the books for almost $28 million. And Wiggins is becoming – a free agent that song okay and Wiggins the way he has played um I think has more than proven that he still he deserves another max level contract you know he's a much better player than he was when he signed his last max contract yes he's not Steph Curry yes he's probably not you know the Kevin Durant's of the world but he is a probably a max level player still in this league he's an all-star starter all those things still in his prime so he's gonna warrant a contract in the 35 million range Per year around. Okay. So you could be looking at, you know, sign if you bring all those guys back, okay, you bring back um, Wiseman, you bring back who's who, by the way, in that 2023, 24 year is going to have a team option. You bring back Wiseman, Jordan Poole, uh, Kevon Looney, and uh, Wiggins. You're for the eight people you're going to have on the roster or currently going to be under contract, that's over 200 million dollars right there just for eight guys <laughs> so and then you still have you still have uh you know half a dozen more roster spots to fill now you could you could just use minimum contracts but you're looking at like an obscene number like to the point where it's just not feasible with more people coming down the pike with Kuminga's contract that you want to be able to lock up in a couple of years with Moody's contract that you want to make sure he is there. You know, that those young people you just talked about, I mean, first, let me say good problem to have, right. You know, that you, if, if you are a franchise and your problem is that you've developed so much talent, you're not sure who you can keep. It's better than the opposite, but it's a, it is, it's a giant problem. So put a fine point to it, you know? So if, if, if all of this is coming to a head, what decision do the Warriors have to make? You know, are there, are there players who we've got to narrow this down to? So I, I talked to a salary cap expert, shout out to Keith Smith from uh, Spotrack, who really broke it down in, in more basic terms for me. And basically it comes down to what we talked about earlier. Basically to get this number into at least a somewhat reasonable range, I mean, it's still going to be astronomical, but for it to be even somewhat reasonable and palatable for, for Joe Lacob, you're going to have to choose basically between Wiseman, Wiggins, and Poole. Um, you're going to you, – you can only have two of those three guys. Um, and uh, I think it's a I think it's a really complex decision. I think it's a, something that Bob is already thinking about, and I think it's something that he's going to have to uh, maybe start making decisions about 
as soon as this summer. Because if you decide that Wiggins is, can't be in your long-term plans for financial reasons, that you want to commit to full and yep. Wiseman, then you should probably start shopping Wiggins this summer. Yep. You should because his market value is at an all-time high. Sure. Yep. He's got an expiring expiring contract. You you can still get a good good asset or two for him. Like and, and the other factor that we should consider here too is as we talked about, Kaminga is very much coming into his own. That's exactly what I was gonna say. Yep. It is the timeline such that Kaminga is so great that they don't want to wait that much longer for him to be a bona fide everyday starter. You know, by 2023, is he gonna be at a point where it's like, okay. This guy's the dude. He needs to be our starting three. Yep. Wiggins, we loved you, but like Kaminga's the dude. Well, and if they're going to do that and they want to test out the waters of how Kaminga can be in that position, now's the time to do it. And, you know, in these next few months, which which only underlines they have to make this decision. Um, so the thing that makes this hard for me, so if I'm choosing Poole, Wiggins, Wiseman, the thing that makes it hard is we're in the blind on Wiseman's health, right? This would be hard enough if we'd already seen Wiseman play for a year and a half, we know who the hell this dude is. We know how he helps with our rebounding problems or if you can guard in the post. But not only have we not done that, I, I, mean, I, I understand that he just returned to five on five. He had a, a scrimmage. It sounds like things are going in the right direction. But I'd need more information about his health before I'd feel confident making this call. Um, if, from what you can tell, Connor, is the assumption what when we're making this decision for the purposes of right now, Wiseman will come back healthy. The Warriors aren't concerned about lingering health issues with him at all. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I think you'd be silly to not be concerned about his health long term. This is a seven footer. Um, when you're when when you look at how 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 slow his rehab process has gone, how many setbacks he's had to navigate, I do think it's it's fair to wonder like, is he properly healing? Is he ever going to be? fully healthy. I mean, I can't help but think about someone like, you know, as a former Blazers fan as someone from Portland, like, you know, he was a really talented player. There's a reason he went number one in the draft, but like he just, because his body could not handle it and uh, he could never be healthy and he washed out. I'm not saying that's going to happen to Wiseman, but there is a possibility. I oh, mean, okay. Well, I mean, if there's some way we could at least Maxime, if nothing else, bleep name both times the way i just said it him he is not that name's not going to be associated with wiseman um i'll give you guys a quick take and then i'm interested to hear yours if it is a medical decision it's easy it's easy if, if there's any concern at all about where wiseman's going and i do legitimately believe in wiggins and i do legitimately believe in pool and i think that they both have a future then there you go medical decision i don't want to invest in wiseman if there is a clean bill of health and maybe this is me being unnecessarily homery, but the things I've heard about Wiseman, that even just the compliments we've gotten from, from Iguodala and the suggestion that his talent is so big, they might actually switch the league back to a big man centric offense. I, I still believe in this big man's lottery ticket. So if I had to pick one of those three to leave, it'd be pool. Um, but again, that has more to do with what the medical, you know, how murky is this medical future, um, more than anything else. Wow. I mean, uh, that, uh, that was a curveball. I thought you were going to say that it was either going to be Wiggins, um, or Wiseman, um, but letting pool go. I, I don't know. I, I feel like there's, there's a need on this roster for the CJ McCollum type, right? Somebody that can add a ton of value without having to solicit max money, because at the end of the day, 
Um, I'm not sure that it's going to be uh, Wiseman either that's going to solicit that max money. And I don't know that's who I would want to be anchoring my team. Ultimately, you know, you have like Rudy Gobert with the Utah Jazz sort of being a comp for the most important player or the the highest paid player on the Jazz. And I'm I'm not sure that they have true um, title contention hopes at this point, despite what everybody says about the excitement about them. Well, I mean, I, I did give you a bad analysis. Let me give you a better one. Look at it from a skill standpoint, or more specifically, what skill is the easiest to replace in the NBA right now? All three of these guys are valuable. There's, there's absolutely no question. But in Wiggins, a fairly young, in his prime, legit two-way star, Wiseman possibly, I mean, because again, who knows? But Wiseman, a guy who can maybe fix the very front court problems, both defensively and rebounding that the Warriors currently have, or Poole, an exceptionally talented scorer who can give you scoring off the bench. Of those three, I don't want to lose any of them, but I feel like Poole's skill set is the easiest to replace, um, which is why I'd hedge towards that we got to lose one. It's it's him. Yeah, they're, the, from the timing standpoint, they're going to sign him to the extension, but they could pro- if they decide that he's the odd man out, they could trade him. They, there will be plenty of interest in him. Um, they could probably get money back, you know? Um, so I, I, I understand what you're saying. Um, the, the thing to consider with Wiseman too, is like the trade market's not there for him, at least mm-hmm. right now. Yep. Uh, and probably in the near term, there's just not any real market value for him. Whereas there is huge market value for someone like Wiggins. Well, especially yeah. someone like pool, but, uh, Wiggins, yes, people talk about his contract, but I think people would be willing to give up good assets for him. So what would you do, Connor? Hold off your cotton candy business for a minute. Become the Warriors GM right now. Literally, it is up to you. These three people are in front of you. All right. You got to cut one. Poole, Wiggins, Wiseman, you give the ax two. I would probably cut Wiggins. I would cut Wiggins. And it's because of a couple of reasons. For one, for one, Wiggins is going to have the biggest contract. Yep. Um and I mean, we're looking at him signing like 35 million a year deal in his next contract that single-handedly just balloons the, the luxury tax and salary right. cap situation so much. Um, and it's, you know, it's considerably more than, you know, Wiggins or it's considerably more than Poole and Wiseman will be making at that time. But the biggest reason is the one I touched upon earlier about Kaminga. Um, I just personally feel that you need to go all in on Kaminga. And I think, I think you've seen over the past month or so, like Kaminga might not be ready to be the guy later this season or even next season, but if he continues to progress the way he's progressing, he he'll be demanding that from the organization. By Where would you put him? Where would you? The question him? to me though, about this is like, how healthy is Draymond going to be? So that's what I'm just literally I'm about to ask you. Where do you, so if, you, if we have to clear out a position for Kaminga's future, right? It's not going to be in the backcourt. So we're looking at the front court, small forward, you know, forward center, you know, where would you put him? What, what position do you want to carve possible, out? It's possible that the answer might be something we haven't even talked about yet, which is not moving on with Draymond. Yeah. Uh, um, just because I think that Kaminga is better suited as a four in the modern NBA um, I don't really think that stuff, like the three and four stuff, I don't think it matters that much. But uh, I think he's better suited as a four. And I think there is real concern about how healthy Draymond can be. You know, like this back issue is no joke. Um, I think that odds are 
he'll he'll he probably won't play more than sixty games in a season the rest of his career. That's just a guess. But um and but but that being said, what's gonna be the market value for him in, in like a trade market, especially given his health issues, you know, and um the the thing too is like he has a player option on 2023, 24 as opposed to a team option. So if he wants to come back, he can come back at 28 million in 23, 24. So there's a lot of layers to this. There's a lot of uh it's a big onion to peel. Um and it's not it's not an easy solution, but I think it's a fascinating topic. And I think it's one that Warriors fans should be aware of right now because the stuff Stuff happening right now has implications for these. Like this is this is stuff Bob is thinking about right now. Because at the end of the day, 2023 is going to be probably the most important summer of his general manager career potentially. So, because I mean, we're talking about one other component here, right? Bram, the way you framed it is who do you cut? And at the end of the day, Connor, what I heard from you, it's actually who do you trade? Um, and if we're talking about trade value, we have look, Draymond is. I just I heard a podcast right with Zach Lowe talking with Brian Scalabrini, who was saying when he was on the Warriors staff, he saw even before Draymond was in the starting lineup, oh, this dude moves like while Steph is in his gather phase, right? Like I've never seen anybody read the game that quickly. So, you know, there's there's just no doubt that Draymond is, a, is an all-time genius mind. But if you can't oh, stay on man. the court, how does that help your trade value, right? So at the end of the day, I mean, it's a really strange sentence to say, but if you're looking a year and a half down the line, it's very possible that of the four, right, Poole, Wiggins, Wiseman, and Draymond, Wiggins would get us the biggest return. We explored this on this show a few weeks ago. You may remember, Maxime. I mean, I think the people we put up was uh, Kaminga, Wiggins, Draymond, keep two. Uh, and we had a very similar uh, analysis. And it's what we're doing. It's almost like a Venn diagram between the beginning of this conversation. And, and you know, when I told you, what do I miss the most? Draymond fucking green. And I shake by that. And then the latter half, what we're having now, because and, and we've made this analogy too. the reason why Draymond starts now, the way that we recognize who he was, was because David Lee got hurt. You know, and before that happened, David Lee was the answer to everything. He was our all star. He's the guy we got from New York. It's who we needed to make sure we went through. Lee goes down. Draymond comes in. We recognize what Draymond means. We never look back. You know, the, I don't think we're going to see a, an immediate and similar transition with Kuminga, but we are seeing what kind of value he brings and once you see that, you know, it's, it's hard putting that back in the box, man. Um, and so, yeah, there's there's a transition coming. There's there's absolutely no question. You cannot keep all of these guys. Does Connor, does the so Chase Center is back open now. Right. I mean, like what we've always heard was Chase Center essentially is Joe Lacob's black Amex card. He's right. going to make so, I'm glad you're bringing this up so much fucking money from that facility. Uh, that that they don't have to worry about luxury tax, you know. And I, I can tell you, as as a person who has to pay for those goddamn tickets, you yeah. know, and the PSLs that we put in there, and watching the concerts come back, I'd like to think that that's at least somewhat true. You know, is does yeah. will that hedge that at all? Is there money coming in that that will help them with the luxury tax? Yeah, I believe that the 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 Chase Center accounts for like a like forty percent of the Warriors' bottom line, which is an enormous number. Uh, you know, mo- it's a huge advantage the Warriors have financially on other franchises because most NBA teams don't own their arena um, and they don't benefit from all the concert revenue and all those things. And so that's enormous. That's huge. And uh, it's a big reason why I believe last I heard the Warriors were just valued at like $5.5 billion. So I'm Jeez. sure people are. So I'm sure a team that was 
purchased for around 300 million, which was considered an overpay is now worth uh, like 11 years later is worth $5.5 billion. And I, I know that I've heard people say like, you know, basic math, like they're worth 5.5 billion. Like why, uh, why can't they afford a contract that would be, I mean, if, if they kept all these guys, I mean, the con, I don't even know exactly what it would be, but with the luxury tax and everything, it would, I mean, it'd be like 600 million or something like absurd. Um, and, uh, you know, so could they do it? Like technically, could they do it? Yeah. Uh, Will they do it? Probably not. I just, I just don't think that it's something that like, even though we've, we've talked a lot about how Bob, how, how Joe is willing to spend big to win big. I think they've shown recently that they're, they're going to be a little bit more judicious going forward about how they spend. I mean, they didn't use the mid-level last year, which in retrospect looks smart. No, it made um, no sense to me. I mean, as I'd like to think the next time I'm at Chase Center spending $85 on a single beer, that I'd, I'd like the idea of like, well, I'm contributing towards, you know, Wiggins definitely being here, but I don't think it is that straightforward voice. Let me give you another question. Um, it's one both jokey, but I want your response to it. Quote, over the last few weeks, Nemanja's hair looks more and more like he just got out of bed and less and less like he gives a single fuck. Do you believe that his lack of consistent minutes is starting to show in his attitude? Connor, don't you take this one first, man? Do you think he's been tuning out a little bit? Um, I don't I don't I don't know if he's been tuning out. I think I think that Nemanja in my conversations with Nemanja, um, Nemanja he thinks highly of his abilities. Um, he, uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to use my words carefully because I, I that's fantastic. That's, I, <laughs> you giving me a thousand guesses. I would not have guessed that's what you were going to say right up front. Um, he was, people forget he was MVP of the Euro league before he came over to the NBA. And so people forget, I don't think people knew that. I had not, I had no <laughs> idea that that went down. Uh, he, he was what, the best like player dodgeball or something? Yeah. He was the best player in Europe. And I think, I think that, you know, he, I think there's part of him that like misses that and, and he actually expressed me, I wrote a story about this a couple months ago. Like he said that he thought about leaving the NBA this past summer and going back to Europe just because he missed being the guy. And he was like, he felt like he wasn't being properly utilized in the NBA. Um, and I think there's part of him that's like gets frustrated when he's in and out of the rotation. And, you know, that was an issue uh, in Miami. Uh, he wasn't playing a lot and he let Eric Spolster, no, I'm not cool with this. And Eric Spolster said, well, sorry, bro. Um, and it was a point of contention. And so I think that might be in terms of like the body language and and the facial expressions that you're kind of alluding to. I think that might be what it's rooted in. It's I think he might be a little frustrated with his evolving role on this team. Um, but the bottom line is he's not making shots. And well, yeah, that, that's why he's on the team is to make shots. If Nemanja's takeaway is I'm better than I'm currently playing, well, y'all, here's a newsflash. We all agree, dude. We, we're going to need a lot more from you than what we're currently seeing. And if it begins with just personal grooming, I'm fine with that. You know what I mean? Run your hands through your hair or something up front so that like it looks like you actually care. Uh, jokes aside, so I, I haven't sat down with him, but from an outside's perspective, it doesn't look like he's let go of the rope, but it does look like he's frustrated. And I can associate with that. All of us have had stretches where things aren't going the way that we'd like them to. You press a little bit 
And right now he's kind of the lightning rod for Warriors fans ire. You know, he, he's the guy we've all kind of been looking at that they might be able to upgrade. So I, I, can, um, I can associate with his frustration. All right, boys. Our personal I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Brandon. Oh, I I want to. There's just been there's been this question that's been nagging at me, and I kind of I want your thoughts if that's okay, real quick, because it's kind of what we're Please. talking about. There's been a lot of talk in recent weeks, like if the Warriors were to add a big man, who would they get rid of, right? Because they need to get rid of someone. Um, you know, if they were to sign someone off the bio market or whatever, which probably isn't going to happen. But if it were. I've been – there's been a lot the, – the, the three names that are being bandied about are JTA, Belly, and Damian Lee, okay? I personally feel strongly that if they were to cut someone, it needs to be Damian Lee. And here's why. Damian Lee, I think, is, is, is okay at a lot of things, maybe even above average at a, lot, at a lot of things. He's not great at anything. And I don't think he moves the needle in any real way for this team. I don't think he has any real upside. Um, and I think that it, those minutes can be far more valuably spent on Moses Moody, who we've seen shown ton, show tons of flashes. I actually think Moses Moody right now is as good, if not a better overall player than Damian Lee. He's got tons more upside. And I think it'd be almost like an addition by subtraction situation where just by getting rid of him, you're just, you're paving the way for Moody like they did when, when they got rid of Monte Ellis and paved the way for Clay Thompson. In a smaller way, of course. So is this a hoop question? I mean, and so like, I think you know where I'm going with this. I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm not a huge Damian Lee fan. If, if he ultimately disappeared, I don't think I'd be heartbroken. But the thing that we're not saying, I've always just assumed is, look, brother-in-law is what it is. So there, there's a lot of giant advantages that come with being the kind of superstar Steph is. One of them is that if you'd like your brother-in-law to be on the team, motherfuckers on the team, you know, it, it, it is what it is. Um, so, I mean, and I, let, me, let me make this a real question. Do you think the Warriors have that kind of flexibility? Would, would that cause any locker room problems if they were to let go of, of Damian Lee? I do, I do think you're right. I mean, I, I don't think that's something that's overblown. I think that's probably the biggest thing Damian Lee has going for him. Huh. And it's not just Steph. It's like he's, he's built a lot of trust and respect throughout the organization. Steve Kerr loves him. Uh, I think Steve Kerr sees a lot of himself in him. I think there's a lot of like personal affinity attached to Damian Lee that I think is not commiserate with what he actually brings to the floor. (laughs) Um, And uh, so you're right. I think, but I guess as a, as a spectator, as an observer, as a, as someone who, who writes and talks about his team every day, I just, I think that it's the right move for the team's long-term future. And I think, um, I think if you sat down, Steph, and you said, look, you've seen Moses, man. He's, 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 he's the real deal. I think he's like a Robert Covington type guy. Like, he's, he's, he's a high-level 3 and D guy in this league yeah. for a long time. Like, I know it's going to hurt to see him go, but, may, you know, maybe we'll, we'll try to do him a favor, get him on a team where he can have a bigger role, you know, like – have that kind of conversation. Of course. What are we building? Are we building familial bonds or are we building the future? You know, I mean, like what, what is it that, that has to take precedence here? But I do think it's a problem. And I'll, I'll, I'll put it this way, at least as a fan. Almost everybody who checks in for the Warriors 
gets me excited for random reasons. Moody comes in. I'm excited about his immediate competency. I'm excited about his shooting touch. I'm excited about his toughness. I'm excited about his hustle. I'm excited about his future. There's a lot of people, uh, JTA. I'm excited about his grit. I love that he's from East Oakland. There's all these things that get me excited. You know who doesn't? Damian Lee. And that, that's not even like a shot at him. There's just nothing about his game. It's fine. You know, it's, it's fine. But if if we're looking for someone to excise, it's probably the fine guy, which matters. He's, yeah. he's probably a better player right now than Belly. But yeah. Belly's not taking minutes from someone who really matters. 100%. And Belly's upside. I mean, in the beginning of this year, when that three ball was falling – and we finally had another guy, a big guy who could kind of rebound, who was also stretching the floor. I was excited for that. And so even when he checks in, and I'm frustrated by his terrible hair, there's still that, like, oh, well, like maybe, maybe it's the day. Maybe that shot's coming back, you know? Um, even the story you told me that that Nemanja thinks he's better than what he's currently, like, that entertains me. There's First of all, little about you the want that game. confidence from role guys, okay? Yes, you do. And the truth is every NBA player thinks he's the shit. He's Making millions, he's in the NBA. Yes, yes. Um, no, so I, it would be Lee who I would cut. All right, boys. What about uh, you, Mike? Uh, Sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. What'd you say? I mean, it's a that's a that's a nightmare. I almost feel like I don't I don't want to wade into those waters because it, you know it's it's not just a brother in law, right? It's also that therefore Steph's sister is living nearby, and you know how much of a family man he is. I I, I understand that there's a basketball conversation that needs to be had with Steph about like, Hey, look, we'll get him onto a team where he can really add value. But like, look, it, you know, it's not going to be Sacramento because like nobody wants to go to Sacramento. So that means that he's at least moving farther down the state, if not out of the state entirely. Um, and I just like, I don't know. I don't know how much of an impact that has on Steph's game. Ultimately, you know, it's okay. Granted, Damian Lee has not always been in the locker room, but now he has, right. So how do you go back once you know what you're missing? and looking forward just practical reality right these guys don't live on the floor they live off of it i mean let's play this out let's say Emily just had a kid which is steph hey but like, so take this through right they let's say yep they the, they have that conversation with damian lee or i'm sorry they have that conversation with steph says says you're right i love moody let's have this let's, let's uh embrace the future and get lee out so they get him out now we fast forward let's say it's next november steph shows up to thanksgiving Right. His, his sister's there. Their new kid is there. Damian Lee is there. They let's, let's hope they won a championship. That interaction is a nightmare. It's a nightmare that you don't, you'd all pretend like you're fine, you know, but, but internally Steph knows this nightmare is going to play itself out every single fucking year. Am I immediately signing up for that? Maybe not. Maybe I'm telling them, you know what? Nemanja needs to get the hell out of here, dude. It is what it is. You know, there's other people who are not going to be at the Curry house that I would prefer. They're the ones out, even if it means that it's not the best thing. But but the thing is that, like, this is going to continue to be an issue because Moody's just going to get better and better. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, he's going to continue to be just fine. Yeah, I mean, if, yes, if he stays around, his minutes are going to go further down and further down. And keep in mind, Lee's a free agent this summer. So maybe the answer is just like let him finish out the season and then let him be poached in free agency and then just be like, oh, Steph, like I love that. We just couldn't. Myers needs to hit up somebody and they need to like give them money. You know, like go to like Denver's GM, be like, here is eight million dollars for you to offer Damian Lee. You know, and then then you're just hands off to Steph. Uh, I think that is our solution. All right, last question. 
by far the most personal. All right. One I've been looking forward to and not just this week, Connor. So I got this one a few weeks ago. And when I got it in the email, they said, please save this for Connor. He tends to give us entertaining and honest answers. Right. So here's the question. Quote, what is the most embarrassing thing you did growing up that you were positive was cool? So I will go first here. Not shockingly, I had like a hundred of these, just a hundred. I'm going to keep it to grade school. Um, I, I imagine we will revisit this question a few times because, you know, I, Jesus, we can follow my embarrassing uh, behaviors all the way up through right now. But grade school, stupid one. I used to have a rat tail. I grew my hair out. Oh, God. Like, no way. Tail. I remember. I hated me, like, those guys. You need to cut that. People would like literally like chase me down with scissors. But I thought it was badass. I have no idea. Oh. But I thought it was badass. But that wasn't the worst one. Can't believe I'm friends with the guy who had a rat tail. I did. I did have an eye. I was. I, I wish I had one right now. I wish I could take off this hat and a rat tail would fill out from the back. Oh my like, god! Big reveal. I but in, I think it was now. either third grade or fourth grade. Um, my grandparents took me to a Foot Locker, and they had this. They were selling what I can only describe basically as like a White Sox baseball uniform. Like it was, I mean, it was, you know, it's supposed to be like a cool outfit, but really it was just a baseball uniform that my grandmother bought me. I remember it being expensive. Nothing made me feel more cool when I wore it. I looked like an asshole and the, the final straw, the reason I stopped wearing it, I remember on my way to school, it must've been later. It must've been sixth or seventh grade. Cause I was getting on the bus. A guy pulled over and sarcastically asked me for my autograph and asked if I played for the white Sox. Gentlemen, it's been 25. It's been two decades, almost three decades since that's happened. I'm still embarrassed by it. I fucking hate that guy. I wish I had come up with some like clever thing or like signed it, anything. I think I just cried and ran under the bus. Like there was no outside. So those are my things. My, I was a rat tail sporting white Sox player for a few years. Thought I was a badass, but that's great. Turns out I wasn't, I, I wasn't, I can see that now. I know, I know you were kind of limiting the question to grade school, but I can't, Unfortunately, my answer is going to be more recent. Um, Excellent. Um, so, <laughs> so from the age of like 15, when I could start to grow a little bit of facial hair, I, I couldn't grow a beard. Anyone watching the Zoom right now knows I, or has seen a picture of me, knows I have a full beard. But now, but for a long time, I couldn't grow a full beard. So starting at like my sophomore year of high school, I was like, oh my God, I got, I can grow like sideburns. So I grew out sideburns, like all the way down to like the end of my earlobes, like pretty far down, like, you know, straight up Elvis Presley type, like aggressive sideburns. Um, Like big, thick ones, like, like thin ones where they all style. Like like, relatively thin, but really long. And um, I hate to say this, but I, uh, I thought they were the coolest things ever. And (laughs) I kept them through college. (laughs) Um, uh, actually, I saw a picture recently of me on my first year on the Warriors and I still had them. Um, and I'm like, so embarrassed by it. And I, and I occasionally I would have people be like, dude, you need to get rid of those. And I would be like, they're so cool, whatever. And <laughs> in retrospect, I'm like, how did I ever have a girlfriend? How did I ever like, how did I ever interact with the other sex in any way? uh with those things like it's just uh 
and I had them for like a decade and, and uh, I, I can't believe it to this day. It's embarrassing. There are some things you can do that immediately telegraph personalities. Like there's pet decisions you can make. If you have like a snake that kind of says something about who you are, there's hair decisions too. rat tails, mullets, large sideburns. Like these are all things you're communicating to people. I'm a weirdo. You know, it, it just is what it is. And I, I am shocked. I didn't remember you having that early on in the beat. And the reason I'm shocked is we're friends now. And I'm not a big sideburns guy, dude. That's the kind of thing where I'd be like, I can't trust this guy because of his long sideburns. That's just weird. <laughs> Maxine, oh, you must have something embarrassing here. I buddy. mean, we're, we're first of all, I'm, I'm a little shell shocked because like, I, I kind of like sideburns and uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess I just need to see a picture because it doesn't sound that creepy to me. Um, so I don't know. Maybe that says something about, maybe that's my embarrassing thing is that I thought sideburns were cool. And, and now I'm realizing that I was a loser the whole time. The fuck it is. You're giving us something way more embarrassing than that. You could easily have sideburns, Maxine. You have a full beard. Just oh, I've had sideburns. That's my point. Um, <laughs> Um, no, I, I, I well, I, you know, I like I constantly, I have a lot. The one that comes to mind from elementary school is I, I definitely thought that wearing a hat all the time was cool. Um, you know, and which is, which is what it is, but the like hat that. of choice was a, a Georgia tech hat. And to be clear, I have zero affiliation with Georgia tech. I just liked that there was a B on the hat. I thought that was cool. I thought you were going to say like beret or something. Baseball I had a hat when I was a kid. I thought you were going to say UNC Tar Heels. Cause like, remember when we were kids, the freaking baby blue Tar Heels oh, hat yeah. was like all the rage. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, I, I don't, the fact that your embarrassing thing is that you wore hats and that this full head, I mean, like, I feel like maybe we should be a little bit more embarrassing here. Too. Like, I'm a little, I'm, I'm surprised that we haven't had things that are a little bit more mortifying. You know, it, it is what it is. I'm bearing my, or bearing my soul to you that I got punked on my way to the bus when I was wearing a full baseball uniform for no reason. This fool wore a hat for a college he didn't go to. Add another okay. layer to mine, Brand. add another layer to mine. I wanted Cyburn so badly that before I could actually grow them at one point, I got no. a haircut where I would like have my hair go. Okay, long here we go. There. This so is I what I'm looking for. Big cyberns. Okay, yeah. No, I had big cyberns before I could grow real ones. That's how now I love you. See, now this is real. Now the only person left out is fucking Maxime wearing a hat for a college you didn't go to. I'm wearing a Warriors hat. I didn't play for them. That's not that goddamn <laughs> embarrassing, Maxine. Like this is this is real. I'm gonna give you another chance. I'm gonna give you another embarrassing one. This is the most one uh, embarrassing one I can think of. It just came to me now, and I'm not sure why. In like second or third grade, I decided it'd be a really good idea to go commando with sweatpants on a daily basis for almost a year. What? I was like comfortable. Yep. Thought it was fine. Want to know why that ended? Because someone pantsed me. Let's go and say it was shocking <laughs> for everybody. You know, <laughs> like it was that everyone in that schoolyard was really surprised, including me. So, you know, like I didn't, I don't know if I thought it was cool, but an embarrassing moment, man. Does that trigger anything for you? You can leave me out on this limb. Look, okay. So the, I, I should have not played by the rules like Connor, because the thing is, is elementary school is not a place that uh, I recall being very embarrassing, probably because I, I don't remember anything from an elementary school. <laughs> but like when we get into middle school and high school, like, it's, of course it gets weird. Okay. So right. for, for example, this, and this is, this is embarrassing to a level that's like actually cringe. Um, which is that I, my friend and I in math class got really bored and we're like passing notes back and forth to each other. And it eventually turned into like, we we're rhyming back and forth. And we, we wrote a whole rap about math. Um, and it was actually like, it was fine for like 
a white kid and, and an Asian kid, right? <laughs> um, writing a rap. But like, then we decided, oh, we're going to do this for the talent show. And uh, so we did it. Uh, we, I actually, I had a friend of mine um, uh, who was a beat maker at the time make a beat and it was a pretty dope beat. So we had this like really cool um, custom beat made that I paid this guy a hundred dollars for. And then we went on stage and wrapped it. But like, I, I wanted to like look the persona of a rapper, but like I'm a white guy from the burbs, right? So I have no context. And, and so like I put on, I had, it was a nerd rap, right? So I had a, like one of those hats with the propeller on it. Um, I had like really saggy sweatpants and like some swag Nikes. Um, and for some reason, the, if you won the talent show, which was basically like the teacher saying, oh, okay, um, we think that your act is reasonable. Then they put you on stage in front of the entire school at assembly. So I performed that entire rap in front of, and the, the reason that it's cringe is that there were a total of maybe uh, three people of color um, in my school. And I remember Rashad came up to me afterwards, right? And said, was like, like that was the most embarrassing thing that I've ever seen in my life. Right. And I realize now I'm like, I'm, I'm essentially parroting a culture that I don't understand. Right. And using it to apply to a context that like, that is my context. And, it, and I did that in front of the entire school and I kind of regret it. I love that. Love that for multiple reasons. The thing I love the most about that story is at the end of it, you thought you had to explain to us why it was embarrassing to have a rap about math while wearing a propeller in front of the school. Dude. I think we all picked up why it was cringe and it had nothing to do with cultural misappropriation. You know, he probably just looked like an asshole you. up there, which I can immediately, <laughs> immediately support. Good for you, Connor. We're going to miss you. Um, and you're still coming on. You're still affiliated with the Warriors. We'll still have you all the time. But, you know, as far as saying goodbye to you as the day-to-day uh, -day beat writer, great work. We'll miss that day-to-day -day work. And for those who want to bask in the, uh, the last few days and then your coverage going forward, where do they go? Uh, follow me on Twitter at con underscore cron. Read all my stuff at sfchronicle.com. And uh, yeah, I, I, it's, it's been a fun journey. Thanks for everyone that's listened. I, I still plan to come on, hopefully this podcast on a regular basis and yep. we'll still have a decent amount of words content, but uh, yeah, definitely give CJ Holmes a follow. I'm very excited about him. He's a, uh, he's much cooler than me. He played college basketball, played at Auburn, uh, knows the game in a way that I don't know. I think he's going to bring some things to the table that I wasn't able to bring. So I think he have sideburns. Do you know? He has a beard, I believe. Okay. Well, maybe if he can cut off the front part of it just so that he, or just grow his hair out. There's a lot of options there. Connor, we'll miss you, man. We will absolutely right. miss you. Um, and we will also still have you on, you know, you're not dying. You're still here, but we'll miss you in that beat writer role for us. You want to get us a golden question, shoot it to our email. Whose address is huddle at warriorshuddle.com. Also hit us up on Twitter at Warriors Huddle, or you can support us on Patreon, which means the world to us. I'll keep it fast. We'll get out of here. Go Warriors. Go Kaminga tonight. And hopefully we'll see you next week. Good, good.